Welcome to episode 191 of Stageworthy. This is, I'm, I'm your host, Phil Rickaby, and this is the Toronto Fringe Roundtable. And uh, so it's early in the morning. We are, it is 9.34 as we record this, and which is early in Fringe time. That's really, <laughs> yeah. early, early in Fringe time. <laughs> early, early. Um, but, so I thank everybody uh, for coming. Uh, why don't we start on my right and everybody just say your name and what your show is, and then we'll, we'll get things started. Cool. My name is Kaho Koda, and I am the writer and director of Decaying Time. Uh, my name is Shane Adamchuk, and I am doing a show called The Ballad of Frank Allen that I uh, wrote, directed, and, and in. My name is Sarah Joy Bennett. I am with Nightfeed. I'm the writer, director, and one of the performers and one of the co-creators of that. Ang panalang ko ay Monica. That means, hi, I'm Monica in Tagalog. Uh, and I'm doing Monica versus the Internet. I'm the performer, co-creator, and uh, Monica in it. <laughs> uh, I'm Carlin. I'm the creator and performer in the ADHD Project, a comedy about growing up a little bit special. Awesome. And I'm Phil. My show's The Commandment. I've mentioned it before. Um, so let's... Uh, it, Fringe is now a few days old. This is the first Saturday of the Fringe. We've had a few days. Some of us just opened. A few of us have a couple of shows under our belts. So, um, how's your Fringe been going, guys? Fantastic. So far, so, so, far, so good. Yeah. It's been a sweaty one so far. Yes. Yeah. I, th- I don't think that's particularly uncommon. Yeah, the Toronto Fringe. It's mm. usually a sweaty. Fringe is a sweaty time. It's a sweaty time. In yeah. general, sweaty time, yeah. yes, yeah. it's time but, uh, to, be, to be moist. Yeah, all the glowing. venues I've been to have had nice aircon, which is nice. that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. a couple don't. A couple don't. Are, are they BYOVs or? I don't know. I just saw some of the posters. Name and shame. I don't know. I just saw posters and air conditioning. No, and I was like, what? Uh, Why are you advertising uh, that? There used to be one. Yeah, there used to be a venue that was not air conditioned. It was the only one. They've since ditched it, but it was the dance venue. Oh, oh, I know, I know. Yeah. 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 Just real, man. It was a terrible, <laughs> terrible venue for everybody. Um, let's let's take a second. Everybody, uh, uh, tell me a little bit, or tell everybody a little bit about about your show. Carlin, why don't you start? Uh, yeah, the ADHD Project. Um, it's a storytelling show um, about uh, growing up uh, with ADHD, uh, being in a segregated classroom, and kind of how I found that ADHD is actually my superpower. Yeah. Uh, Monica versus the Internet, Tales of a Social Justice Warrior, uh, is about my time as a Filipina YouTuber and how horribly wrong that went. Uh, I talk about racism online. Uh, I talk about intergenerational trauma within my family and my mom and Lilong, which is uh, Ilocano for grandma. And uh, yeah, I talk about it in a very funny and hilarious way because I think racism is hilarious most of the time. <clears throat> and I think that white people are very uncomfortable when I get to laugh at it. So I love making white people uncomfortable. <laughs> That's my business. So. <laughs> Um, Nightfeed is a puppet play for adults uh, about motherhood, about the stranger, darker sides of motherhoods that generally doesn't get uh, talked about all that much. It's a three-person piece, and it is a fever dream that a new mom is having in the dark armpit of another night where she's been up. She can't remember. It might be the thousandth feed. It might be the first feed. She's lost count. And her world has shrunk to the size of her couch. And all of a sudden, all of the objects in her apartment 
come to life and look at her and start speaking to her and they give voice to all of her own fears and self-doubt and anxiety and the the things she won't admit that she's thinking about and dreaming mm. about and uh and yeah we see how she finds her own voice and her own path towards being the mother that she wants to be mm. cool uh, my show, The Ballad of Frank Allen, it's a comedy, a two-hander about a man who gets shrunk and spends two years living inside another man's beard. Uh, it's a sci-fi buddy comedy. It's essentially an exploration of masculinity and what it means to be a, a good man in the modern world with a beard. <laughs> uh, Decaying Tongue is a story about Aya, who is a Japanese immigrant in Canada. So we explore how she interacts with her very traditional Japanese family to West Western friends and also um, ignorant strangers who give racy comments just by the streetcar. It happens all the time. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a storytelling ish um, fic, a little bit of fiction added to uh, what I've experienced as a mm. Japanese woman living in Canada for eight years. Yeah, mm. awesome. We talked about that when you when you were on the podcast a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I want to I want to I want to take a little bit more time with everybody with everybody's show. Uh, Monica, I saw I saw your show last night, Thanks and I'm going for to say <laughs> I'm going to say, and I'll be honest. You know, there's there's as a white person, maybe uncomfortable. But perfect. I, thank you. Yes, I know, I know that's what you want. But also, I I think it's like when people when white people feel uncomfortable, they usually cross their arms and don't listen. So it's a question of like, why am I uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. And so that's what you know. I left thinking about what is it that made me uncomfortable about this show. Um, do you find that that's a, a common reaction? Like what? Like what is the, yes. Is there a common reaction? And, and what 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 would be your preferred reaction for? There's two different reactions that I saw in the audience. There were the people of color, and there were the, and there were the the the, the white folks. And so it's I'm funny sure how that happens. <laughs> I know, right? Weird. Um, but there's that. There's like two different reactions that, that people live with. What's mm-hmm. is 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 my reaction? What you're hoping for, or what what talk talk about talk about that? Yeah. Um. Well, first off, I want to say that I've done two shows, and out of both shows. Two old white men have fallen asleep, which is so perfect and hilarious. I couldn't market my show any better. Um, so clearly, not for him. Uh, yeah, I think the it's funny. I think a lot of uh, folks ask me about this, mm-hmm. about like, where does whiteness fit into this? And I talk a lot about how my privilege means that I need to be doing this work because Mm -hmm. I have light skin. Um, And that access point of privilege means that I need to be speaking to white people Mm -hmm. as well as speaking to my own people, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I do want white people to be uncomfortable and discomfort needs to be uh, something productive rather than sitting in shame and sitting in white fragility. Um, Because the show isn't for white people. And I think a lot of... It's kind of mixed. It's a mixed bag, depending on who talks about it, writes about it. Things like, it's totally for white people, or it's totally for people of color. Um, But, you know, I'm mixed. Mm -hmm. It's for everyone (laughs) to Mm -hmm. come and to think about topics about gender studies, about critical race theory that I don't think is happening at Fringe Mm -hmm. very often, or at least not the Fringes that I've been to. Toronto's certainly better than 
a lot of the places I've been, but the racism that I've faced on the circuit is mm. insurmountable. Like mm. I cannot describe it enough. So the show came out of a need mm -hmm. to speak not only to white people in general, but to white fringe artists. Yeah. And that was really important to me. Mm. Um, and to be able to have those conversations without people being like, well, we're not going to hang out with those people over there, which happens. Sure. You know, we're, we've been isolated in so many ways mm. from other fringe artists because nobody's ready to talk about it. Sure. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's very, it can be very broad and I, and I want folks to feel uncomfortable, but I want folks to leave thinking about what steps they need to do mm -hmm. in order to be doing this work, whether that's anti-racism mm -hmm. work or starting to look at what intersectional feminism is or critical like anti-blackness mm -hmm. um, or against anti-blackness is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like that's, I think anti-blackness again is something that like really gets left out of these conversations mm -hmm. and it's not my experience, but I need to be bringing it to the forefront or yeah. anti-indigeneity as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that really answers your question. But <laughs> you know what? You know what? It's, I mean, the, the, it was, it was sort of the kind of, uh, it, it doesn't matter if I answer the question because I think it's important because I think, I think making white people un uncomfortable is super important. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, white people are pandered to yes. every other place. Yeah. Uh, and even me saying white people, makes people like, does this sound like, I used to like, think like at a certain point in the show, the first version, just hear the like seat creaks. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was my yeah. measure of like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, we should be destabilizing these feelings. We live in a violent white supremacist world mm -hmm. and people are dying. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm going to do a fringe show about it and I'm going to be doing this life, like that, we need to be talking about these things. Absolutely. Thank and, you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, you've done, you've done two shows so far. <laughs> two. Two shows. An old white man has fallen asleep in each. Um, aside <laughs> two from, for two. Two for two. She's two for two. In fact, I, if you don't start tracking that on your Instagram, I'm going to be personally very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> personally very disappointed. But, um, uh, what's what I mean aside from that uh, how's the reaction been like like uh, the audience that I was in last night was super into it yeah which was, which was awesome yeah someone in the middle of the show said oh my god I love this show <laughs> I did I saw that I saw that she was like right down in the front that was great <laughs> just like blew a kiss I'm like yeah. I love you thank you <laughs> and yeah people are very affected especially if they have any kind of like mixed identity mm -hmm. or uh, even if folks aren't mixed, they, they know the content. People of color live this every mm -hmm. single day yeah. and uh, are appreciative that I'm talking about these things from an access of privilege and like how asking other folks with privilege to come along on that ride with me. So right. yeah, the reactions quieter than like, it's really quiet in mm. Toronto, which is weird. <laughs> like I'm used to people, like at least laughing uncomfortably, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, not just like, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know what? I Toronto's a weird city for <laughs> comedy. There's like, it's weird. It is weird. I've I've had people, you know, like there's some audiences that laugh really loud, and then there are other other audiences that are so quiet, and you're like, fuck, they hate this. And then afterwards, they're like, yes, and you're like. 
What? <laughs> what did I what, do? What? Well, I don't understand anything. Yeah, well, it's hard to sell a comedy when you're sharing your YouTube comments. Like, the one on my card is uh, Monica Ogden's the worst Asian I ever saw. Filipinas are supposed to be hot, not feminist. Mm. So when people see that, they're like, oh, I'm not allowed to laugh. I'm like, yes, you are. Because I've brought it here for you. Yeah. Like, let's laugh at these horrible comments. So, yeah, it's, yeah. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Carlin, I want to I want to uh, ask you a little bit about about your show, the ADHD Project, um, which I feel a certain amount of, uh, of of love for simply because we were on a writing retreat. Yeah. When when you finished <laughs> that, and I'm like, oh, that's the show that she finished on the writing retreat I put the, together the month um, before the oh. first friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, you like left and did a preview of that, like like. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. Weekend. It was yeah. like yeah, it, yeah. It was like a couple of weeks after, right after the retreat, I went yeah. and did uh, in the soil did the first. First Did, because your first show is not, I mean, it's a personal show. Sa, uh, uh, Sour, Sayer, 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 is a, is a, is a, is a very, di- is a personal show, but, but not, I don't know, is it quite as personal? Because this, this seems like a, a, like, almost like the show that you wanted to create off the top. Yeah. And I think we chatted about that before, yeah. kind of like, I've always wanted to talk about my experience with ADHD and I just wanted to make sure that I was in a, like a the right place mm-hmm. that I could like have the skills to like write and, and tell the story properly because I knew that there was going to be a lot of other people that I was kind of like speaking for mm-hmm. um and so uh when I took yeah so I did a different show first um to kind of get my feet wet with fringe and yeah. then and then took this this one on yeah um what was I mean in terms of in terms of I mean what, what's the writing because you you mentioned well this is how, how I write the show I've heard you make offhanded comments about this how I write the show <laughs> like what is your process like for for writing a show like this yeah this one in particular but kind of all my shows it's like I do anything I can possibly do to write so I do like writing I do uh, just practicing like just practicing storytelling mm-hmm. um, with like recording myself i do a lot of speech to text when i get bored of writing uh there's a lot of scrap pieces of paper i still find scrap pieces of paper like they're like adhd project 2017 this story and i'm like what this isn't in it anymore why is this even like in my backpack uh and yeah so i just try and spread out as much as possible uh anything to keep like keep focused and, and keep working on the project yeah and it has it has it evolved since? Like, does it keep evolving? Does it keep changing? I think so. Yeah, I, I'm in that like sweet part now. Like, I don't know if you guys feel like when you've done the show so many times that you can like kind of change it on the fly if you need to, mm-hmm. and and like react off the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm in that like really nice spot now because I do the show throughout the year for schools. Right. So it's kind of always always in my brain. Right. So uh, if I'm like, oh, I'm going kind of slow today, or I spent like I gave more details in this story, I can cut a story on the fly or mm-hmm. add a new one in if I need to. Um, like I lost, there's a story about how I lose my car and on the day before fringe, I lost my car. (laughs) (laughs) Like at least I knew it was like, I knew I parked it somewhere. So I wasn't an actual like lose, but, but I couldn't find it. And people were like, Hey, Carlin, can you give me a ride home? And I was like, yeah, but fun thing, you have to help me. Scavenger. Yeah. So uh, props to uh, Grummo from Pack Animals and DK from Magic Mike, who <laughs> stayed with me for probably an hour. Oh, wow. <laughs> Looking for it. Yeah, after Dark Day Monday. So, yeah. But you found it. I found it. Actually, I always find it. It's never, <laughs> it's never been left. Touch wood, touch wood. <laughs> yes, yes. Awesome. Um, Kyle, um, we talked, we talked, like I said, we talked in depth about your show, but, but yeah. give us, give us, uh, uh, 
Um, because your show is about about dual identities, so can we talk a little bit about about your dual identities and the and the differences between? Because you 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 talked about um, the differences between when you're when you're here and when you're when you're in Japan and things like that. So yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm Japanese and I was born in Japan, but I was kind of raised in both North America and in Japan. So whenever I go to <clears throat> the next location. I always have to kind of switch my personality around since in Japan, it's the importance is on the teamwork, the community, um, all of that. Whereas in North America, it's more individualistic. So I say it, I wrote it in the show too, but badly put a little selfish compared to Japan. So adjusting to that, how I talk to my friends becomes very different when I'm here versus when I'm in Japan. Um, so one big example and something I was hurt was one time when I went back to Japan after living here for a year, seeing my best friends and they, it was for them, it was just a comment, but someone said, oh, so you're more like a foreigner now. And in Japan, it's always, you're either Japanese or you're not. So there's that very distinct oh, wow. mm. If you're not Japanese, you are a foreigner. And that's how people label people. And mm. I'm from that culture. Like, I never knew about it because I was in the midst of it. I didn't feel that because I'm sort of the in-group. I'm Japanese, so I never mm. felt that. But going back and forth, it's so prominent. Like, I, I dress differently now compared to what uh, normal, quote-unquote, Japanese people, like, how they dress, how they wear their makeup. You're supposed to be wearing makeup as an adult, as a Japanese mm. woman. So, like, all these, like, small things that I'm not used to here, whenever I go, I always get stares. Um, I, I speak, like, fully in Japanese. It's my mother tongue. I can speak it, but a lot of people um, who want to help me, thinking that I'm a tourist, will talk to, will try to talk to me in English. Mm. Uh, and it's really a com uncomfortable to tell them, uh, so I'm Japanese, I know my way around, but thank mm. you so much. Mm. So there's that like weird experiences that I feel there. And then I come back and I'm uncomfortable now in, in Canada because I've been here for the past eight years. So it's, it's always a transition, whether it be for like a week that I'm visiting my family or like I come back and I readjust to Canada. Yeah, it's, it's weird. And yeah. Is there a transition that's easier to make or are they both equally as difficult? <laughs> They're both equally mm -hmm. very difficult. And it's it's just the small, smallest things. Like, I think I talked about it before, but in Japan, public transportation is just amazing. So when I'm back, I'm just like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> on the dot, 10.01 <laughs> a.m., yeah. like getting on, getting on this bus, this train. So I'm thankful for that. And then I come back and I, you know, use a TTC and it's like, okay, we're back to this. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah, not yeah, that yeah, punctual yeah. here, but that's mm. okay. Just, <laughs> yeah. just all of that. But yeah, it's always interesting. Now in Decaying Tongue, you have two actresses playing Aya? Yes. So the main character, Aya, who's pretty much, I guess, me, um, is played um, by two actors. So one represents the Japanese self. So she's more of the modest, a bit more sophisticated, if you will, kind of person. And the other westernized Aya is more of the free, very colorful, um, feminist, like, super outgoing uh, character. So it's it's also like how they talk to other people, like their family, their friends, strangers. Um, but it's also how they talk to each other. So it's 
yeah, it's representing how mm. when I talk to myself in my head, like that's the conversation <clears> I'm <throat> having with myself, just one after another. Mm. So, yeah, well, it's cool. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, SJ, um, Night Feed, which I saw last night. Oh, thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. So beautiful. Um, um, in terms, like, I mean, we talked uh, uh, briefly. It hasn't gone out yet, but we talked about 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 this show and its creation. Um, a little. This show is really sort of based around those dark hours with with your daughter that you spent in the first few weeks. That's sort of what months. what, what months. <laughs> months, 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 months. Sorry, sorry. <clears throat> um, with with your daughter and and those those late nights and the and 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 things like that. Yes. And so, what what made you want to put that in a play? Um, the discovery that when I started just shooting the shit with other moms and saying stuff like, you know what I think about in the middle of the night? I think about how, like, we're hooked up to farm equipment, and wouldn't it be hilarious if, if that breast bump, you know how if you look at it in a certain way, it's like kind of got a face, and so I've given mine a name, and I come, I sometimes think that she's like a, a motivational speaker, or maybe, maybe she's like, I don't know, a 1980s aerobics workout leader. You know what I mean? And like most other moms are like, yeah, man, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound crazy. Mm. I'm like, cool. All right. So, so maybe let's make a show about yeah. that. Oh, uh, yeah. We, I, I felt, uh, I felt understood when I started talking about the, the weird and kooky stuff because I, you know, you, um, you, you gain uh, a different social group when you uh, when you become a parent because you you have to like your relationship to time is different. Like all of a sudden you're awake at you know it's at seven thirty in the morning. I have already had three coffees and mm. I am ready to like let's talk, let's go out, let's do things. I've got a baby and and all of my friends are either asleep or they're at their jobs. And so mm. you um you work at building a new community for yourself. Mm. And once I had and I started story sharing uh, with the women that I met, <clears throat> I, I found uh, A, how similar our experiences were and B, how we all felt when we really got down to it, uh, unprepared for the isolation, uh, the loneliness, the self-doubt. Mm and the massive uh, life change. And none of us knew why we felt unprepared because it's not like anyone says it's gonna be easy being a mom. No one says that, but we all felt that like it should be natural. That uh, is what we were built for. It, like, I will just immediately love this new creature and <laughs> it will it will come naturally to me and mm -hmm. it will be smooth and radiant and lovely and it'll be flower crowns and gauze and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, what it comes down to is that every flag that you identify yourself by, basically every single one, mm -hmm. uh, changes. Mm. Um, your relationship to your body changes. Your relationship to your work life changes. Mm -hmm. Your relationship to your apartment, to your city. Mm. Like you're not as mobile as you used to be. You can't get to the places that you used to get to. You feel like you're not welcome in the places that you yeah. used to go to. Uh, your relationship to your friends because mm. you don't see them anymore. Your relationship to your partner because you're like different people now. Your relationship to yourself as a sexual being. Mm. Uh, like little, th like you, you don't look like yourself. I mean, like your clothes don't even mm. fit mm -hmm. and you you smell funny and you're damp and you're wet and your breasts are leaking. Your breasts used to be like 
purely decorative and all of a sudden they're functional. <laughs> and that's messed up. And they hurt and everything hurts and you don't know what's going on down there and you don't know when it's going to change or if it's ever going to change. And so it's hard. Oh, also your brain is incredibly foggy. Yeah. You don't feel as smart as you used to feel. Mm -hmm. That really hurts. Um, your relationship to your family changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your relationship to strangers changes because they all of a sudden have got so much to say to you. <laughs> Which can be nice sometimes. Um, and so you try to, to find yourself again mm. and figure out what this new life looks like. And I think it's okay for us to grieve mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. We don't feel like we're allowed to, but I think it's fine for us to grieve what we lose because we do lose a lot. Yeah. But we gain a lot and we build for ourselves. Yeah. So I want to acknowledge what we lose mm -hmm. and celebrate what we build and create out of um, out of this this new life. Mm. And I think that we are afraid, very afraid, to admit to these darker feelings because we're a lot of us are terrified of sounding ungrateful. Oh sure, because yeah. we're filled with gratitude at the same time as we're filled with pain and confusion. Yeah, like so much gratitude and love and yes i'm so lucky i have a healthy child but i also feel like shit most yeah. of the time and both <clears throat> of these things are true at the same yeah. time but it, it, it's the thing that i think people don't talk about because or that there's because there's mommy shaming right there's like oh should you be doing that and and, and it comes from everybody everybody has an opinion right? yeah yeah, I mean, maybe it's kind of like how everyone has got a really strong opinion about teachers, mm. uh, because everyone's had a teacher. Mm -hmm. Maybe everyone yeah. feels like they can have a really strong opinion about how to be a mom. Because mm. they, uh, <laughs> they had a mom? Because they had a mom, yeah. like most of us. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, misogyny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know. Every, every, everyone has large and loud opinions mm -hmm. about how to be a woman and how to mm -hmm. be a mom, and so... Um, it's, it can be very dangerous to, to go down the, the, the rabbit hole of, mm -hmm. of boards and stuff because everyone is offering an opinion and very few people are offering help. Right. And uh, what you need at that time is a little bit less opinions and a little bit more mm -hmm. help. And it's, it's hard because we've got <clears throat> access to a bajillion opinions and so many books. Mm -hmm. and, um, and a lot of us live uh, slightly isolated from mm -hmm. our, our core network of people that might actually muck in with us and mm -hmm. give us a hand. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thank yeah. you. Shane. Hello. Um, a show about a, um, a man who lives in another man's beard. Yeah, can it's, a you, it's a tale as old as time, Rick. <coughs> can, you, can you tell me about where this came from? Yeah, so it started, um, Al LaFrance, my co-star, and I used to work on a podcast in Montreal. And for his final episode when he was leaving, he was the sound engineer on that. Um, I was a guest that would often come in and do songs, and I just wrote a song called The Ballad of Frank Allen, which was a song about how all of Al's achievements in life were because of a tiny man that lived in his beard. <laughs> that, was the, that was the genesis of the idea. Uh, and then I started to write a short story series for, mm -hmm. for this website, um, also called The Ballad of Frank Allen. And then from that, I decided to turn it into a play. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the Kevin Smith movie Tusk. It's about a guy that gets kidnapped and he slowly gets turned into a walrus. Oh, it's like really? a comedy horror movie. It's <laughs> it's weird. But Kevin Smith said about that movie that, because it sort of came from this podcast where they were smoking weed and they had this ridiculous idea, and he said that no one was ever going to make that movie unless he made that movie. And that's kind of how I feel about this play. Like, no one was ever going to make a play about a guy that lived in another guy's beard. And I had that idea and I went, I want to see that play. I'm going to make that play. And so I did. <clears throat> now, when you did it the first time, uh, you were you were in Australia. 
Yes, so we debuted it in uh, 2016 <laughs> mm -hmm. at the Perth Fringe, uh, where Al La France was played by not Al La France. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but when you do it in Canada, you have you have access to Al La France, and Al La France can play Al La France. Yeah, yeah. so Al is a, is a real friend of mine, and the character is based <laughs> on him. Um, but yeah, he's not the original Al, which he is very annoyed about it. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that that would be a sore point for him, that he's not the original Al. Yeah, so the way we do it now is it's Sinjin, my co-signer, so we have like our Australasian cast and our Canadian slash uh, North American cast. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and and there, there, I, knowing you, I, I assume there are songs in, in the ballad of, of Frank Allen? Yeah, yeah all, my, all my work tends to have songs in it, just because mm -hmm. of my like secret desire to be a rock star mm -hmm. and this yeah. is my way of sort of fulfilling that <clears throat> yeah. uh, a little bit so yeah there's a few songs Sinjin in the Australian cast he's he can also play guitar and sings quite well Al uh, cannot play guitar he sings fine um, so we've had to adapt the show a little bit for that so I play the music for all the songs that he sings mm -hmm. um, which is a challenge for me because I haven't had to play those songs for many years. So when I do it with Al, I'm like, oh yeah, I have to remember how to play this song now. Um, that's a lot. And there is one song that Al plays, uh, and when you see the show, you'll see it's, uh, he does his own special interpretation of, uh, of the song. Okay, yeah. well, I look really, forward to that. Really detunes my guitar. <laughs> um, so th thanks you guys for, for talking about your shows. Um, so we, we sort of briefly were like, how, how's your fringe? But like, um, so we all had some shows aside from it being super hot. How have your houses been? How have, how has the fringe in general been treating you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah. I, I think I was surprised mm -hmm. to have anyone at our show because we are not local mm -hmm. and everyone was telling us that like only local people make it. And I was like, oh no. Um, but we were very lucky to be brought into the hashtag Philippinex Fringe mm -hmm. uh, hashtag with the Tita Collective and Through the Bamboo. Uh, we love them so mm -hmm. much and they're both local and there's like superstars in both their casts. Um, but yeah, it, it's been it's been interesting. Uh, I mean, again, I mentioned it earlier, but like there's racism at every Fringe. Mm -hmm. I experience it every single time. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time people don't believe me and that sucks, which is probably why I wrote a show about it. Um, so that's, it's hard to navigate that. Yeah. And it's hard to navigate like, I think lots of patrons come to the fringe not thinking about that because they don't have to. Mm -hmm. So that can be hard. And for me, like, I love validation. <laughs> so if you like, I need laughter. Yeah. I'm a comedian and improviser at heart. Yeah. Like I need it. Uh, and so when folks are, yeah, introspective and like listening, I'm like, okay, it's good. I guess. Like, <laughs> like I'm hilarious. Like this is so funny. And of course, like uh, Amber Nice Thomas, my director and co-creator is in the back of the house, just laughing at everything. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, all right. This audience is very white. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, so it's been it's been interesting, and uh, you know, I face I talk about it in the show, but I've faced harassment for two years from uh, a lot of different folks, but particularly white feminists, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, that's hard to talk about because mm -hmm. I don't think lots of folks want to talk about the violence that lots of white women have caused to communities of color. Mm -hmm. But it's like so integral to our yeah. stories. Um, but you know, it instantly gets like, ooh, are they being sexist? And like, huh, I am also a woman. Like, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so that I think 
I think because of the show that I've made, mm-hmm. it's hard to navigate these spaces. Yeah. And I will do it. I've yeah. chosen to do it all across the country this summer. But it's knowing that we're starting really hard conversations mm-hmm. and that we're going to feel isolation. And we're looking for like community wherever we can with folks of color who are yeah. also experiencing that. Mm-hmm. So that's generally my always fringe. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, like you said, like being in one of the international acts and all the other fringes, people are always like, oh, what's the Australian guy about? Whereas Toronto, they're like, totally. who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Why are you even here? Um, but no, we've done one show so far. We had a, a decent house and we got a really nice review out of it. So nice. yeah, happy so far. And we've yeah. got like the bulk of our shows are all right at the end of the festival. So yeah. hopefully we'll pack them out. Mm-hmm. Strangely, Toronto, unlike a lot of other fringes, has not been historically welcoming Two people who were not local. It's weird. Um, it's the one fringe that seems to, that is so focused on its own thing that, um, people from out of town find themselves, even when they have like a, a hit show mm. everywhere else, they're sort of shut out of the conversation here. It feels like a very like cliquey festival. It is 100% me. a cliquey um, festival. Yeah. Cause uh, every other festival, it's cool. Like, I mean, I've met most of you guys in fringe festivals before. And that's how you make friends. But here, everyone's like, okay, you have your five friends that you know, and you will make no more. Because <laughs> those people are over there, and they do not want to talk to you. There's a, there's, it's like there's a quota. Did you meet five people? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. There's so many famous people here, too. Like, in Toronto. Mm, like, yeah. I'm from Victoria, BC, which is unceded Lekwungen territory. And, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of, like... There's people who move to Toronto who mm. are like, that's the place to be, mm. or maybe Vancouver sometimes too. But like, they want to be in Toronto because of the famous theaters, mm. because of the famous people. Like, there yeah. are superstars. Like I said, yeah. like Through the Bamboo is directed by like Nina Leoquino. Yeah, she's my <laughs> idol of idols. <laughs> like, um, yeah. and that yeah, it's just so different than yeah. lots of other fringe experiences I've seen. Because uh, yeah, I've been to the opposite of yeah festivals that are like. International artist, goodbye, local. (laughs) I remember going to Winnipeg and like, like, the Winnipeg fringe was like, "Oh, you're from out of town. Tell me about your show." And it's very, it's very, very open and welcoming. Um, And Toronto was like, "You're not from here. Go on." I've decided as well. Next time I come back to Toronto, I'm just going to put the musical at the end of my title. (laughs) Absolutely, I absolutely have to. Absolutely. Yeah, is this like spinoff New York? Yeah, sort of. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, yeah, it is. Really yeah, I mean, be New York. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, there's just so many theater artists in the city, just all the time, that the the fringe has a different feeling here. Like people um, aren't just putting on a show that they have um, a, a burning need to tell or so, something that they want to create because they want to serve another community. It's it's a calling card for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's something they they use because here it's different. The stakes feel a little bit higher. There is a chance that you will be seen mm-hmm. by someone mm-hmm. yeah. like really important, yeah. and maybe this will turn into something mm-hmm. else. So it has right. a it has a different feeling. Um, yeah. It has more of a a business yeah. Yeah. edge yeah. to it that has I think just grown out of the fact that this is such um, this is a theater and TV yeah. town, and mm-hmm. unfortunately. Canada is so big with these great big chunks of empty space in between every city that most theater artists, film artists, maybe even other artists feel like we don't have very many choices in terms of what city we can live in if we want to create our work. Mm-hmm. And so most of us, yeah, yeah, most of us uh, just like flock to Toronto and 
Yeah. It, There's it also the, the historical mm. thing of the the big successes that have come out of the Toronto Fringe, yeah. like mm. the Kink in My Hair, uh, Kim's, uh, convenience. Kim's Convenience yeah. started like, at the Fringe and it became like this. Successes. Yeah, exactly. So I think people go, some people go into the Fringe for that, looking for yeah. what is going to be the next Kim's Convenience or totally. or the next the next big show. Even uh, uh, like Come From Away wouldn't exist without uh, my mother's lesbian wicked exactly. and Jewish wedding. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so like everybody's looking for for mm. those things, which means that. Everybody looks internally, and it's like all the best of lists are all local people. There's almost never a mm. a list that's like, here's the best shows that you need to see because they're not from here, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Have you guys spent any time at Postscript? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, a little bit. Haven't really. I was there in the afternoon. I should really get down there in the evening, but you know. I, I, th- I think it's great that they have found such a nice big space. Like I think all of us were wondering what what's going to happen when Honest Ed goes mm-hmm. down. Uh-huh. Like because it's a crowded city. We're like, where, yeah. where, yeah. where are we going to go? Because I mean, the city is so packed with so many things. Like so mm-hmm. many festivals have got dibs on different outdoor locations. So I think it's pretty awesome mm-hmm. that they that they signed on with Scatting. It's pretty central. Yeah, nice and big. One thing that I think that they made an improve, uh, improvement on is last year the ticket booth was in this small trailer oh, yeah. outside of the oh. the hockey rink. No, and so it was like people would walk in to the to the hockey rink and people would be like, "Let me tell you about my show," and there was nowhere to buy tickets because yeah, to get tickets that. you had to go way over there, you had to go out and around. So this year. Mm-hmm. Putting the ticket booth inside Postscript was... was <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that, that is what, like, the beer tent should be built around yes. buying tickets. It, yeah. should, it really that, should. That really it should really be the central hub mm. of yeah. the whole point. Because here you've got people gathering, and you should be able to talk to them about your shows and get them to go buy a ticket. You should make it easy. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. last year was not easy. When I went, I didn't see any other artists, I don't think. It was I, just like people were partying, <laughs> and I was like, "What's happening?" Well, and then the, I was putting yeah things out, and everyone's looking at me. Yeah. And I'm like, "All right, I'll go." Like, so. I, yeah, I didn't find I, it the best for flyer. And, I yeah. do have to say that the strange thing that I've noticed this year is all of the fringe advertising is about postscript. That has been a bit hurt. Yeah, yeah, and I don't see anything about the theater aspect. Yeah. Um, at all in any of their advertising mm-hmm. um, which is kind of like you guys are a theater festival do we have to like only advertise the fact that there's a pop-up patio and that that really seems like like something that it's almost like they've forgotten about the theater in their advertising well their logo is like really small I know on the, I saw it on the subway I was like yeah uh, oh, fringe! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a strange choice to make when you know we're supposed to be doing this, but I guess you know they make money somehow through beer sales or whatever. But it still seems like a like something that that, that is kind of missed opportunity, and and I think a bit hurtful. It, yeah, you, you know I. I don't know. <laughs> well, you want to feel I, they want to feel like they've got our backs and they're here to support us, right? Yeah. We we want that kind of community feel at every fringe you go to, and yeah. for for them not to be po- like postering or or however they're marketing about anything about the theater, mm-hmm. yeah. crazy. Yeah. 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 Did anybody go to this like meet and greet thing? I like to sleep. I, <laughs> I did, forgot or didn't hear a, about it. There it was, was a meet and greet thing. <laughs> yeah, it was at an odd time too. Well, it not was like odd, twelve to two. Yeah. yeah, it was during the yeah. We just yeah, yeah we weren't able. It was to also go. when the festival already started, so it was kind of like what? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so like that, what meet and greet? 
It was yeah, supposed, <clears throat> yeah, I think it was supposed yeah. to be of like uh, staff, artists, and volunteers, which would have been co- really cool. That would be really cool. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I didn't know. I just, I, I think in fringes, I hate when you don't know who the artists are. So like, flyering is just a scary process yeah. of mm-hmm. like. Yeah, I'm in a show. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm so sorry. Like, I haven't met you yet. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, what's, what's funny is is that I've always found, and, you know, I've been in shows, I've not been in shows, but, like, flyering people who are in shows, I mean, people are usually like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. what You know? It's trans, yeah, Exactly. <clears throat> which is good. I have never not taken a flyer. Yeah. I've never not taken a flyer. Yeah. Um, Neither. And partially because I remember being in Calgary. And having and going flyering and having people go, no, I'm not going to see your show. <laughs> and I and I want to be like, that's not how this transaction. That's not how this transaction needs. To yeah, you can just say, you can just, just be polite. You can just throw in the take yeah. my flyer and recycle it later. But like, at least look me in the eye, like give me a fake smile and take my flyer. Don't go. I'm not seeing your yeah. show. I want you guys to come to the Adelaide Fringe and try fly there because it's that's all that it's like. Oh, oh really? It is, it is rough. I mean, some people are lovely. It depends where you fly, but some people are just so rude. And it's such a simple thing. Like you can just take the piece of paper, walk a meter, wait till I'm not looking, and put it in the trash. I don't care. Just just smile and take it. It's just it's so. I remember. I actually remember uh, 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 one of the artists lectured a line. Mm. In Calgary, how did that go? I don't know. I don't know. It was it was it was Cameron. Cameron. uh, Oh yeah, yeah. Cameron. And she and she so she she lectured a line about about like this is how we make our living. This is like we give you this. You come to see the show. The least you can do is is accept the this thing that we are giving you. That's the least you can do. Um, And I never have that here, fortunately. Actually, no, that's not true. I did try to give somebody a flyer the other day, and they, and they just sort of were like, no, no, I'm not going to see any other shows. Like, yeah, yeah, I've had that a couple yeah, times but, already. <laughs> I'm like, it just started. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't it doesn't happen with the frequency that I, I, I saw it at, 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 at the Calgary fridge. Calgary was a bit kooky. It was, yeah. a, little, it was a weird fridge. It was a fridge that seemed to be built for the... For the 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 entertainment of the volunteers rather than the oh great I'm, I'm going there soon so <laughs> awesome I mean maybe 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 it's, maybe it's, maybe it's different I'm sure it's going to be different this they year. change yeah. they they change and mm-hmm. like they evolve and they become better yeah. established and the I mean the people who run them change like um one thing that I gotta say about the Toronto fringes is so organized like mm. all like the information that I need all the documents all the research mm. all mm. like it's been smooth. It's been really smooth. I could always figure out what I needed to mm. figure out, get my tech specs. Sometimes you do a fringe and like you get the tech specs for your venue and then you show up at your venue and then it <coughs> turns out that like, oh no, those are out of date. You designed <laughs> your your lighting plot on a on a old piece of information and mm. like but I don't know, the the women who organize it are, are on top of this. I showed up at one fringe uh, out, out east. And you know, one of the things that I use, I use a microphone in my show. And, and uh, I walked in and said, so I need a microphone. I said, do you really? I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said, this space is just so small. I don't use it for the amplification. I use it for an effect. <sighs> okay. But like, at least, at least when it's written down here, it's there. Yeah. It's yeah. clear. We know what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. Um, one of my fa- let's get to one of my favorite parts of these conversations is tell me about shows that you've seen that you loved. I want to yeah. hear about the yeah. awesome shows that you guys have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start over here. I gotta say, the first show that I watched was Through the Bamboo. Yeah, yeah. it was so good. <laughs> so it was so good. Um, 
and it's it's definitely not my culture but um mm-hmm. i went with uh one of my castmates who's filipina and she was so excited about the show she talked about the show all the time and we finally saw saw it and i was like looking at her reaction as well as looking at the stage mm. and it was so good and like tears were coming out of her eyes <laughs> and obviously she understands way more than i do and i loved that about it because a lot of, unfortunately a lot of shows that i've seen are westernized shows not about people of color mm-hmm. some are of course but it's so nice to see like a full cast a full story um So yeah, it was it was just a great way to open French like the awesome. first show. So it's awesome. so imaginative like the, what they do like they create this whole world out of everyday objects mm. and yes. they just every time they pull out something new I'm like, oh, "What's it going to turn into? Oh my god, that's so creative." Yeah. And also it, it's awesome for all ages. Mm. Like yeah. I would definitely bring a kid to see it. Oh, for wow. sure. It's awesome. beautiful, beautiful. Awesome. The amount of set prop pieces mm. it's it's insane and i'm like how are they gonna strike that was my thought <laughs> <laughs> as an uh, artist the, but... the theater the theater eye oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah no but it was so good awesome Jane? um i saw uh pack animals mm-hmm. uh which i really really enjoyed i was lucky enough they have a guest mansplainer <laughs> character and i got to do that one day and it's Your job is basically just to be as hated as possible, <laughs> and it's indulgently quite fun. And yeah, it's a really, really, really cool show. Um, one of the shows I saw in Montreal that I really, really enjoyed as well that's here is The Peers. Um, the premise is basically like an amateur theatre group. Um, they've overbooked this theatre and they have to perform all of the Bard's works in about an hour. <laughs> and so it's one of those classics, you know, everything goes wrong kind yeah. of kind of shticks. But it's very well done, and I really enjoyed that one. Awesome. So yeah, awesome. that's like my top two so far. Nice. Uh, I really enjoyed the knitting pilgrim. Uh, I love mm-hmm. I love something that's gonna uh, happen in a unique space. Uh, I love a big reveal at the end, and at the end he reveals these spectacular tapestries uh, that he's knitted to to seem like stained glass windows, and they're so stunning. Also, you get to knit the whole way through, and it's like very meditative. Oh, cool. It's a very beautiful Ooh. piece of storytelling mm. that I very much enjoyed. Also, going to shout out to Kids Fest. Uh, it's great. I brought my daughter down a couple of times. Dino Show was lovely. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of really fun things to do. There's some nice tents and mm-hmm. some face painting, and it's it's a nice, cool theater. If your if your kid is um, you know a little bit rammy or needs to pee, it's like easy to take them out and bring them back mm-hmm. in. It's like it is very very nice to nice. to bring your kids to awesome. get get them young. Awesome. <laughs> Monica. I have only seen one show so far, and it was Tita Jokes, and it was mm. fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I supposed well, to swear? Yeah, it's yeah. I swear a lot. Fucking swear. Fucking swear. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Tita Collective are like my fucking dream. Uh, in Victoria, I was like messaging them, being like, I just want to say like how inspiring you are and like how there isn't any kind of collective like this where I live. I don't know very many Filipino artists and like the work that you do is just what I aspire to. And then we've been chatting ever since then. And then of course they got into fringe, like I think a little bit later, like someone dropped out and I was like, Oh my God. And <laughs> yeah. So it's just been like a constant back and forth since then they have like so lovingly, like brought me into their community yeah. and they're so loving people. 
And the show is just so great. It's high energy. Mm -hmm. There's music. There's dance. There's everything. Well, I mean, I don't know if there's everything Filipino, but there's lots of things that obviously are for the Filipinos there, mm -hmm. which it was so lovely to... I flyered the line, of course. Um, and there's uh, all the tita. So tita means like auntie in Tagalog, or it can also mean like a word of respect mm -hmm. for older Filipino women. Um, so there was so many titas in the, in the lineup <laughs> and I was chatting with them about how excited I am to be part of the, the hashtag and like to know the Tita Collective and yeah, just to have something that honors their experience, but also challenges them. I think the Tita Collective, um, challenged a lot of things within our communities, which needs to happen. Um, of, of course, that's for us to do, not for anyone else to do, but that's an inter-community thing. Um, yeah, so it was just really lovely to, yeah, watch five Filipina women on stage doing sketch and comedy, something I've never seen before. And I feel like this city is, like, so lucky to have them. And they're they're killing it. They're winning awards and getting re amazing reviews. Like, they're going to sell out, I'm sure. They're Absolutely. Okay. Also, just have you seen them fly our line, you guys? Yeah, they see. They do a musical yeah. number to fly the line. So they get like a bunch so of them together, good. and they, they they and then they get the audience to sing along. They have a whole thing to. It's brilliant. Anyway, yeah. yeah. If anyone like doesn't take their flyers, they're just racist at that point. <laughs> so like, you know, just take yeah. it. They're so sweet. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I, yesterday I saw Congratulations, uh, which I only knew about because, um, the Fringe made, uh, like Fringe My Way, um, mm -hmm. list, which is actually really cool because then if you, if there's certain works that you want to like go out and support, you can. So we were both on the accessibility list. Um, and so I, I, I like made the decision kind of last minute, went and, uh, it was so amazing. Yeah. Like Courtney's so funny. And her storytelling is so good. Um, and the show goes through like a lot of different aspects of her life. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to give anything away because it, every bit of it is so good. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was just phenomenal and super relatable. And, uh, and she, she's in this, uh, she's in the solar room. So it's a bit smaller. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. another one that I think is going to like sell out really quickly. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Um, I have, I'm going to shout out two. Um, I'm going to echo Tita jokes because it was amazing. Um, also, I mean, if you don't fall in love with them when they fly your line, there's something <laughs> wrong with you because it's amazing. Um, I also am going to shout out Nightfeed because it was, it was beautiful and it was inventive. And, um, that's exactly what I would think a Jack Daniels bottle would sound like. So <laughs> that's now I'm intrigued. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, that's, that's this week's, the, the, the shows that I want to, I want to talk about this week. Um, so we will do this again next week um, when we are all so much more tired. Oh, yeah. And, um, I'm already exhausted. <laughs> if I didn't, like, I'm glad that I had this in my calendar because I might have forgotten about it and people would have shown up and I'd be like, what day is it? I'm glad you sent us a reminder email. That's, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Not have shown up. Exactly. Not no. Um, so we'll do this again and we will have more to talk about. We will have seen more shows and we will... Uh, have more fringe experiences. And uh, so thanks so much, you guys, for coming out. And uh, let's do this again next week. All right. Ooh. Sounds good. And right. break. Thank you. <laughs>
This has been a Homebody Productions production.